much of the gospel contains in that hymn, doesn't it, dear church family? Well, dear church family and friends, has there ever been, has there ever been a time or a period in your life when you've been brought to realise that only the Lord God can help you and save you and deliver your soul? That it is only the Lord God who is in control of your life. Well, we see here, do we not, friends, in today's psalm, someone who knew just that. Has there been such a time, friends, when the absolute realisation of God's, uh, God's holiness, unblemished holiness, and his divine justice has so fell upon you as a strong man of war, to the point where you've cried out from the very depths of your soul, for mercy, for mercy. And this is exactly what we see here in the precious words of God today in Psalm 130. Psalm 130 has often been styled as one of the seven penitential prayers of the book of Psalms. That is the prayers of penitence, uh, of, of, of someone pouring their heart out like David before the Lord, pouring their heart out to the Lord God alone. Now, friends, we do not know the occasion, nor who penned uh, this, this psalm. We do not know the author, as it were, of it. But it seems obvious to me that the author of this psalm is no, no, no other than David, the psalmist. Because, of course, the sweet, poetic language that we see here and the devotion, it is, it is so typical of David. Uh, we do not know either the occasion, do we? But it, I, I really think it could have been one of three occasions. It could have potentially been, of course, that wicked and gross sin that David committed with Bathsheba. Remember, David should have been off fighting God's battles, shouldn't he? And when he became king, there was a, a complacency that happened in his life, perhaps a backsliding. And he went upon that rooftop and he took someone with his eyes, didn't he? And then he committed adultery with another man's wife, Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. And of course, we all know what happened from there. He tried to cover up his sin, the inevitable consequences of his sin, which would be conception. But of course, in his trying to cover up of that gross wicked sin, he, he, Uriah came to him and he made Uriah drink and say, go back to your wife Bathsheba, enjoy your wife as it were. But you see, Uriah was a man's man. He did not want to go back to his wife. He wanted to go back and fight God's battles. He was zealous as it were. And so uh, he wasn't, David wasn't able to cover up his sin, you see. And David knew full well that, so he sent, of course, Uriah to the front line and indirectly was uh, charged with murder, as it were, this innocent lamb, Uriah. So David was guilty not only of uh, adultery, but murder and covering it up. This could have been very much better, could have been the occasion of such a psalm. It could have, it could have been... Another potential occasion could have been when, could have been when 
David, again, was mightily used of the Lord. Remember, David, much of his life was so blessed. He knew of God's strength and salvation, overcoming uh, um, Goliath and uh, with Saul. But, you know, after 10 years of being on the run from Saul and, and many answers to prayer, David said in his heart, well, one day I'm going to die at the hands of Saul. And what did he do? He compromised, didn't he? He went into Philistine territory. And we know there what happened. And maybe after that compromise and all the events that followed, maybe it was then that he cried to the Lord. <laughs> his need of his soul here. And the third occasion potentially which it could have been was, of course, when his people within his own family started to turn upon him, as it were. He, David has committed some gross sins. And even his own life was being hunted and his kingship was wanting to be replaced. And so it could have been one of these three occasions. Uh, we don't know the exact, the exact uh, occasion, but I think it must have been one of these three occasions. We really see a man who is utterly here taken up with the affairs of his soul. He is utterly taken up. His soul is in distress. He is utterly taken up with his position with God, his standing with God, and he's pouring out his heart in prayer before the Lord. And as with Jonah's prayer, it begins in the depths of his sin, in the deep waters of his sin and despair. And it mounts up as we see the psalm going on. It mounts up, as it were, to the glorious light of God's forgiveness and hope and real assurance through the Holy Spirit and joy and a watchfulness here in God's service. Friends, have you ever been brought to pray like this in your life? Have you ever poured out your heart before the Lord in this way, in the anguish of your soul? Well, if, if you have, if you have, you'll know something, dear friends, of the power of God and the power of Christ's resurrection in the very in your very heart and answered prayers you will know something of that verse 1 says out of the depths have i cried unto thee o lord oh friends how how sin is a great deep isn't it it's a great depth as it were out of the depths have i cried unto thee o lord david here is crying because his his sin his condition, and take note, friends, that many of the most powerful and effectual prayers in Holy Scripture were made when souls were literally plunged into deep waters, the deep waters of suffering and pain and affliction. Often, you see, we have to be plunged into these deep waters of pain and suffering and affliction. Jonah, as we read earlier, was cast into the whale's belly and he was brought low, as it were, brought to the lowest of hell, as it were. There was no way of escape. There's no way to cry unto man for help. He was completely separated from all the help of man. His soul was in great distress and he cried out of the fish's belly. He cried out of the fish's belly and the Lord heard him. Even in that fish's belly. 
and the Lord delivered him. Joseph cried from, from the pit, didn't he? From that pit, left for dead, as it were. His brothers completely ignored him, carried on. That's what man does in our lives. Man doesn't hear us, dear friends. Man cannot help our souls, but God, the living God, God, the Lord God, helped him. The Lord God heard him and brought those Ishmaelites, as it were, to take him into Egypt and in due time exalted him because he trusted in him. David was exiled. Daniel was cast into the lion's den. Samson was bound to the pillars. Hanan, Hannah was barren. Yet they all cried fervently to the Lord God. All of them in their distress, in the anguish of their soul. And the Lord heard them all. The Lord saved them. How often is it, friends, with those short, sincere, pungent prayers, direct prayers, does the Lord answer our prayers? Those when we cry to the Lord out of the depths of our heart, it's not the eloquence of the prayer, it's not the teaching of the prayer, it's the, those, often it's those short, sincere, pungent, direct, heartfelt prayers. Even when we're muttering and crying to the Lord, those are the type of prayers that the Lord answers. From the heart, out of the depths have I cried unto thee. We see a man here that only the Lord can help and save him. And perhaps the reason why the many worldly Christians, as it were, and the nominal Christians' prayer, and sometimes our prayers, when we're being complacent, are not heard, is it because it comes from our lips and not our hearts, if we're honest with the Lord God. We're not crying as we used to, as when we were first converted, to the Lord. It's just coming with our lips. It's all about our theology rather than our heart, is it not? Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. When was the last time, friends, that you cried to the Lord? Earnestly, ardently, for your soul, for the matters of your soul. Take note, friends, that the object and target, as it were, of a true penitent's heart here, is the Lord. It's the Lord, Jehovah, capital letters in your authorised version, and lowercase letters as well, signifying the Lord, not only Jehovah, but Adoniah, the Lord of Lords, the Creator God. That's who he is praying to here, the Lord Jehovah, Jah, the covenant-keeping God, the faithful God, and the Lord, lowercase letter, letters, the Lord, the the, the Lord Adoniah, the same Lord, the powerful God, the God of creation, who can deliver him. That's who he's crying to. And he cries to the Lord no, no less than eight times in this small psalm. That's the target. That's the object of David's cry here. Not to man. Friends, we must come out of our sin. We must come out of it, for it is a great deep. We must cry like David, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Only the Lord can deliver us by his power and by his outstretched arm and by his might. We know his nature, we know he is merciful, we know that he is ready to forgive. 
as with a as with a hymn out of my bondage and sorrow and night jesus i come out of my sin and into thyself out of my shameful failure and loss jesus i come out of unrest and arrogant pride jesus i come out of earth's sorrows into thy balm out of life's storm and into thy calm this is what david did didn't he this is what he did and like i said in the authorized version you, you would have noticed that the lord is mentioned in both capitals and in lower case the holy spirit of god is intending this for our for our purpose here for for an intended reason because the lord in capitals is referring to jehovah jah the only faithful god the god that keeps covenant and promise with all those who will call upon him in mercy for mercy and forgiveness the promise of grace and mercy for those who cry to the lord by faith he will hear them like jonah who looked to the lord and by faith prayed to the lord god will show mercy to them and the lord here in lower case dear friends in verse 2 is re referring again to the lord adonai the lord over all over all creation the almighty powerful lord nothing can hinder the lord mighty god from saving you no distance as it were is too great no valley is too deep for the lord to hear your voice he is almighty friends we must put our our trust in him who can deliver our souls the true lord god who always keeps his promises is the same lord who can deliver you by his power and his mighty arm nothing friends can separate us from the love of god that is in jesus christ our lord out of the depths out of the depths have i cried unto thee o lord friends there's not a depth of is there not a depth of sin in which it is it is impossible to swim out of we cannot swim out of this depth of sin and depravity which by nature we are all in only if we call upon the name of the lord and this poor man cried unto the lord many years ago and the lord saved me out of all my troubles save me o god for the waters are come un un unto my soul David is crying out of his soul here. And how often dear friends are God's children plunged into those deep waters of providence that they may cry out of the very depths of their soul and their being. Friends it is better to be in the valley of the shadow of death praying earnestly than on the high mountains of vanity playing. Sin dear friends is a great deep it's a great depth how far does the lord have to plunge us into this deep for us to realize that happiness and fulfillment and goodness comes from him alone and not from the passing fleeting things of this world friends we're made for a higher purpose we're made for god we're made to have a relationship with our maker he has made us for himself friends we're made with an eternal vacuum we're made for god and if we try to fill this vacuum that only the lord jesus the way the truth and the life can fill we are most miserable creatures friends 
And we can forget that even as Christians. We're made for a higher purpose. When you've gratified one sin, it will sink you lower to another sin. And to another, and another, and another, as it were. Sin has no bounds, sin has no limits. It will keep on taking you deeper and deeper, like Jonah. Down to the deep, down to the lowest hell. Sin will strip you, dear friends, at the last of wealth and health when you breathe your last. It will leave you utterly helpless. Your sin will leave you empty when death's cold waters drag you into the abyss, dear friends, of eternal separation from God and the light of the gospel. Whilst there's time, you could still cry unto him earnestly, dear friends, and come out of her, come out of sin, come out of it and cry to the Lord. It will be too late, dear friends, if you cry unto God when you, when you pass from this life into the next. An eternity of darkness, an abyss of despair, shared with countless tens of thousands and millions of demons, and every vile sinner who never truly cried unto the Lord in earnest, you will share that hell with. What a dreadful thought, dear friends. Oh, would you, poor sinner, cry unto the Lord out of the very depths of your soul and be reconciled to your maker like David did. He that will cry from the deep, the Lord will arise from the deep with healing in his wings. He will save that soul who earnestly and honestly cries to him. Lord, hear my voice, the psalmist says in verse 2. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. David shows great faith here and perseverance in prayer. He humbly and reverently entreats the Lord here for mercy, for mercy upon his soul as a result of his sin. He is entreating the Lord. Do you entreat the Lord? Do you reverently entreat him and plead like David is here? Lord, hear my voice. He is concerned that God, not man, will hear his voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. I want you to hear my voice. It's all about you. I want you to hear. hear. And I know if I earnestly seek you, that the Lord Jehovah, the promise, the, the covenant-keeping God will hear my voice. And the Lord Adoniah, the same Lord, will deliver me by his power. I know this. As a child cries to a tender loving father after straying, dear friends, into deep waters and into falling into the deep, so too does David cry to his heavenly father with everything that he's got. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. You see, this is a personal this is personal between David and the Lord. My voice, my supplications. Man cannot hear me. I cannot confess my sins to a man. He is just a greater sinner as I am. Hear my voice, Lord. I, I, my supplications. Here is a man, dear friends, who is earnestly, earnestly crying to the Lord. Friends, the Lord is far more prepared to answer us than we are to ask. He is far more to, uh, prepared. If we have not heard, dear friends, it's because we've not asked aright, have we? We've not asked. You receive not because you ask not. 
And if we've asked, dear friends, and not heard, it's more than likely because we've asked amiss. We've asked amiss. We've, we've prayed with our lips, but not our hearts. God will hear your cry if you cast off all your props of the vanities of this world and cast yourself fully upon the Lord Jehovah. The true Lord. The Lord will bring you up out of the horrible pit and the miry clay of sin. And he will set your feet upon a rock, friends. And that rock is Christ, dear friends, a sure foundation in life. You see, this wonderful penitent prayer of David continues in verse 3. If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? What a prayer. Yeah, have you prayed such a prayer? Has there been? Is there times in your life where you pray like this? From the very depths of your heart, if thou, Lord, capitals again, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Notice both the Lords there. Same Lord, but he's describing the different attributes of God, the nature of God. He's describing the, the Lord here as the promise-keeping God, the one who always keeps his promises, that is always faithful. And he is describing the Lord who is powerful enough to deliver him. The word marker means to watch and to do so with a strict diligence, as with one who watches from a great high tower. That's what that word mark means. God, you see, is in heaven. His eyes are ever upon the children of the, and the sons of men. He sees from that great watchtower. He does mark everyone's sins. He does know all of our sins. God sees, dear friends, all the, the sins of the children of men. And what David is saying, in, in essence, is, Lord, I know. I know that you, you, you take into account all my sins, but don't hold them against me. Don't, don't remember them. Don't watch them. Remember them no more. These gross sins, these failures. That's what he's saying. You know, the word mark also here signifies to keep in mind, not just only to watch, but to keep in mind as well. To keep a memory of, to, to observe and to record. That's what that word mark means also. Remember Jacob. Jacob observed Joseph's dreams, didn't he? He marked them. He marked them, didn't he? And so what the Psalms are saying here. Lord, if you should keep in memory, if you should so watch, if you should so record and mark my sins, well, who will, who will stand? Which one of us will stand? I surely wouldn't. This is, this is the honesty of a true, humbled heart here. Someone is being honest before God about their sin and their condition. David is saying, Lord, if thou should watch and keep in mind and keep in memory and record all my sins and mark them as a judge would uh, meticulously mark them, well, who would not be found guilty? We were all guilty. That's what David is saying. I'm guilty. And all the sons of, of men are guilty. And notice, dear friends, in this third verse, how David is appealing. It's an appeal here out of a sense of of guilt and failure, as we all have, to the Lord Jehovah, who is also the Lord Adonai, signifying that he understands the nature of God. It's in God's nature to forgive. God wants to forgive. 
and cleanse us from our sins. He wants to deliver us from our sins. It doesn't matter how far you have strayed from God's mercy and goodness. He can forgive you this day. Plead with the Lord. There is plenteous of redemption in the Lord. It's in his nature to forgive us. But we must do so with all of our hearts. Hence verse 4. But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Or David knew, dear friends, that it was only the Lord, his Redeemer, who could pay the great debt of his sins. But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. He knew that he could not pay them. And that's true of us. We cannot pay for millions and millions upon sins. Not only the sins that we know are wrong in our hearts and our lives that we commit every day, but the things that we should be doing as well. David had some great sins, dear friends, as we all do. But he had an even greater saviour, did he not? And he knew that. He cried unto the Lord. Take note, friends, that only the word of God says that there is take note that, that the word of God says that there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. A lot of people miss out that second half, second half of that verse, that thou mayest be feared. Richard Baxter the Puritan said of this text, there is a common error in the world to think that we may be the bolder to sin because God is merciful. But O my soul, take heed of this error, for God's mercy is no such purpose. It is not to make us bold, but to make us fear, to make us fear. The greater God's mercy is, the greater ought our fear to be. For there is mercy with him that thou mayest be feared. You see this filia fear, this fear when, when we truly love the Lord and we cry to him. There is a fear of not wanting to grieve the Holy Spirit. Not wanting to, to offend someone who has so enriched us with his salvation and his grace. I don't want to let down so wonderful a saviour who has suffered in my stead and has died and has been separated and has paid my sin on that cruel cross. How can I live in sin anymore? There is fear, dear friends, a filial fear. This fear is not a condemning fear, but a fear of offending and grieving the Lord who has so loved the world that he gave his holy life for wretched, hell-deserving sinners. And these two verses, verses 3 and 4, contain the whole, a sum, really, of the whole of Scripture, do they not? A form of true repentance and faith in the Lord and, of course, the mercy of God through Christ. We see the sum here, as it were, of the precious gospel. What was the chief reason why the prodigal son was moved to return home to his father? Was it poverty or famine? Was it distress, as it were, or shame? It wasn't any of those things, was it? It was love. God's love and mercy. He remembered the character of his father, that his father was loving and merciful. Thy servants, look how my father treats his servants. I'll go to my father and confess that that's what moves someone. To, to, there's the love of God. That he so loved us, he was willing to suffer and die on that cross and be punished for all our sins. 
friends. It's in God's nature. It's in God's nature, dear friends, to forgive, to love, to show mercy, friends, to cry to the Lord. You can know of this. If you don't know of it, you can this day know of true salvation, full, free and lasting. And now that David knows, assuredly, we see through the power of the Holy Spirit that he is a forgiven man. We see him mounting up, as it were, as, as on wings of an eagle from the depths of sin, the depths of sin and despair towards the marvellous light of God's gospel, of saving grace, as it were. He mounts, as it were, from these depths. By the Holy Spirit and by answered prayer, God's promise sustained him and God's power delivered him. And no wonder why David says in verse 5 and 6, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Oh friends, we see here the contrast here. From the depths to the mountains high here. He is so full of confidence now that his prayer has been answered. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait and in his word do I hope. His word. This is a man here who is walking by faith. I'm hoping in his word. The promises of God's word to me. If I cry to him, he will hear me. I'm waiting on God and not upon man. Upon God's strength, not upon man's strength. From rags to riches, as it were, spiritually speaking. Friends, those whose souls diligently wait upon the Lord and his word will never ever be disappointed. Never. I know not one saint, one true believer who has waited upon the Lord has, who has been disappointed. Every true believer will, will, will know of God's answered prayers, dear friends. Yes, we will often be cast down. Yes, we will oft, often be in the valley of the shadow of death. But God will be with us there. With us there. The Lord, our good shepherd, will be there right with us, dear friends. And friends, those who diligently wait upon the Lord... And in his word will never be disappointed because God is always faithful concerning his promises. A soul that waits on the Lord is a soul that, who, wait, who patiently rests in the Lord. As a wearied mariner, it's describing here, as a wearied mariner waits for the morning sunrise after a stormy night at sea, battling, as it were, the things of this life, so David's soul waits, dear friends, for the Lord to brighter horizons, to that land, that promised land, that heavenly Canaan. God will bring you into calmer waters, dear friends. David sought with all his heart the Lord and intently waited upon him. The Lord gave him the full sense of safety, safety for his soul, peace and love in the soul. Waiting on the Lord, dear friends, and on the Lord's word is a spiritual endeavour that requires true saving faith. Have we got it? Have we got this true saving faith that so moves with fear, that waits on God to answer our prayers and waits upon him, does not move to the left or the right, but awaits God to move? 
waits upon his promises, waits upon God's deliverances, waits upon his word. We don't need some special revelation. We've got the full prophecy of the word of God here. Are we living by faith upon the word? In the days of Christ, much of the Jewish nation, of course, became became apostate in their hearts. Albeit there was a remnant of people, like there is a remnant of people nowadays. But in those days there was a remnant of people like Simeon and Zacharias and Mary and others who waited and set their hope on the Lord and in his word. And dear friends, they knew of God's salvation. They knew of answered prayer. I have seen thy salvation, as it were. And it's the same, the same is true of our day. Hence why David, in closing, in verses 7 and 8, is one who has burst through the depths of sin and despair and is full of victorious praise and witness to God and, and, and witness to the Lord's redemption. He says in verse 7 and 8, Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous, plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Not one iniquity, dear friends, will, be, will not be dealt with. All your sins, past, present and future, Christ came to save you from. Israel, Israel is referring here to all the Lord's people, both Jews and Gentiles, those who have come from the seed of Israel. And all the nations of the world will be blessed through that seed, who put their trust in Christ by faith. That is who Israel is referring to. Let Israel, those who are Israelites indeed, those who are trusting in him indeed by faith, those who, like Jacob, Israel, wrestled with the Lord in prayer and prevailed with the Lord. Have you wrestled with the Lord? Have you sought the Lord, as it were? Have you sought the affairs of your soul more than riches that just fade away? Those who hope for the light in darkness, dear friends, with the Lord, they will find the Lord. For strength and weakness, for direction and perplexity, for deliverance and danger, for victory over sin, for triumph over death, friends should set their hope in the Lord and in his promises. For the Lord God loves to hear his children's cry. He loves, he loves to hear those who cry unto him out of a true heart. It is only the Lord, dear friends, and his mercy he can keep our feet from falling. It is only the Lord who can restore the backslider. The Lord did not come to save the righteous. He came to save sinners unto repentance. Those who understand that they've fallen short. Those who understand that they are wretched, hell-deserving sinners. He did not come to save the righteous, but sinners unto repentance. The psalm began in the depths of the soul and has finished, dear friends, in the heights of the soul here. Paradise is restored, as it were, in the soul. All sins forgiven and peace with God. We see in this wonderful, devout prayer. And I really hope and trust this 
is true and will be true of all who gathered here today. Amen.